Hey sis, it's time to straighten your crown. Welcome to the For My Sister Queens podcast. With the specific mission to build and uplift, you'll hear intimate and inspiring conversations that dig deep into issues specifically for women. Topics vary from relationship issues and rebuilding your life after divorce to building financial freedom, increasing emotional intelligence, and much, much more. My fellow sister queens, it's time to start living your best life. Here's your host, Wendy Bowen. Hello, and welcome to the very first podcast episode of Candid Convos with your South Carolina Lady Esquire. Um, I am Wendy Bowen. I am your South Carolina Lady Esquire, and I am thrilled to be with you today. It being October, we know that there is a lot of attention in October for cancer awareness. I think everyone paints the town pink. However, for the month of October, I really want to focus on something that's near and dear to my heart as a topic and as a problem that I think that needs to be addressed. October is also National Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And the theme for 2021 is hashtag everyone knows someone. That's hashtag every, the number one, knows some, the number one. And I think that's true, although we may not actually realize it. When I talk about um, domestic violence, sometimes you hear people interchangeably use terms like family violence or interpersonal violence. Well, I, I don't use those terms interchangeably. Domestic violence is a pattern of coercive or controlling behavior, and it can include physical abuse, emotional abuse, psychological abuse, um, sexual abuse, and financial abuse. It's where a partner wants to exert complete control over another partner's life and their actions. And um, I can tell you firsthand that it can be and have a devastating effect on a person's life. I'll talk to you a little bit more today about, um, you know, the cycle of violence. We'll talk about the power and control wheel and just um, what may be considered some frequently asked questions about domestic violence. Anyone can be a victim of domestic violence. There's no typical victim. Um, what you may see a lot of times is that a victim may, victims may appear to be from a certain racial background or economic background. And I think what we have to understand and know is that individuals from lower incomes, when they seek out assistance for domestic violence and a report is done, they are often going to an emergency room or they are often going to a shelter or to law enforcement. Individuals with financial means often seek assistance from their primary care physician. And so they are able to maintain some sense of privacy when it comes to reporting domestic violence. And so sometimes those numbers can look skewed. 
Please believe me when I tell you that domestic violence victims come from all backgrounds of communities, all education levels, all economic levels, all cultural and ethnicities, and religion. There is no typical victim. The other thing we need to understand um, is that when we're looking at domestic violence, we have to educate ourselves on what a true cycle of violence looks like so that we can stay away from victim blaming. Often victim survivors of domestic violence hold in their hands um, not only the fear for themselves, quite often their children, but also they, they tend to bear the responsibilities of the person that is abusing them. So I've, I've, I've seen um, in my number of years, people say, well, you should have left him or you shouldn't have allowed him to do these things to you. And I'm using him because we know that men are usually the perpetrators, but there are men who are abused. So let's, I wanna put that out there. I know that there are men who are victims of, of domestic violence. But what we tend to do is we tend to place everything on the shoulder of the victim survivors. And we're asking them to forgive um, what some people may say is drug addiction, alcoholism, or the fact that, that they are the ones that are responsible for their own personal safety and their children's safety and should not um, have, in, have allowed the abuse to take place or to occur in their lives. For some reason in America, we tend to do that. We tend to victim blame. Um, instead of looking at the individuals who, who are committing crimes or who are hurt, hurting, hurting or harming others, we tend to look at victims and say, well, you, you shouldn't, have, shouldn't have been out at two o'clock in the morning. Or it was, it was the middle of the night. What were you thinking? Why did you have those ear pods in your ear? We told you to at least take one down so that you could be aware of your surroundings. So we know we can all take precautions, but what we hope is that we, we learn and we educate ourselves and we turn around and we look at a person who has hurt another person and say, no, you're responsible for this. You're the reason why this person is in pain. You're the reason why this person is labeled a victim. And that seems to be hard for us because we, we bring all of our baggage with us, all of our thoughts, all of our religious beliefs, all of our cultural beliefs with us when we're dealing with issues like domestic violence. So I'm from the state of South Carolina and statistics came out just last week. South Carolina is number six when it comes to um, men killing their partners. South Carolina has always been in the top 10. And that says something about the state of South Carolina. Um, in the state of South Carolina, 42% of South Carolina women and 30% of South Carolina men 
will experience some type of domestic violence during their lifetime. In 2011, South Carolina had the highest rate of women murdered by men in the United States. It was more than double the national average. And in 2012, we had the second highest rate of women murdered by men. South Carolina has ranked in the top 10 states for the rate of femicide, that's women being killed by their partners in the past 17 years. And usually those women are killed by men who own guns, they're killed with firearms. Those are startling statistics. Those are statistics that should bring us pause and should let us know that we have a lot of work to do. We need to educate ourselves. We need to educate our children. We need grassroots advocacy to start making change and to stand up and stand with victim survivors of domestic violence. I don't know if you've ever attended a silent witness um, event. It's a very sobering event where individuals will hold silhouettes of bodies um, in lieu of a loved one who has died at the hands of a partner. And to see all of these purple shadows in one place can be gut-wrenching. And we ask ourselves, what are we doing to help with this problem? When you talk about domestic violence, you talk about the dynamics of domestic violence. Well, what does that mean? So, like I said earlier, domestic violence is about a cycle of behavior. And usually this is what that cycle looks like. You have a tension building phase in the relationship where, you know, the victim survivors feel like they're walking on eggshells or they have to do everything perfect. And they, they feel this tension with their partner. And then when it blows up, it moves into another phase, the abusive phase. That's when the actual abuse occurs. It can play out in a number of ways. Usually this part of the cycle is when the abuser physically lashes out at a victim. Yes, they hit them. Or what they may do is begin to deny them access to things. They may start to cut them off financially they may try to cut them off from their family and friends. They may humiliate them and make threats because it can be psychological. Although in the state of South Carolina, the law does not recognize emotional or psychological abuse in that manner. They only look at physical abuse. But that's the next phase. You go from tension building to this abusive, the actual abusive incident. And then 
what comes around is this honeymoon phase. That's when the abuser is going to do everything right. They're going to make up for all of the abuse that just took place in this tension building and abusive phase. They'll promise that they're going to change. They'll promise that the abuse will stop. This is when they say, oh, I'm going to seek help. I'm going to AA meetings or, you know, I'm talking to the pastor. That's a favorite, especially in southern states where religion uh, is is seen as um, a major, a major thing in, in people's lives that they'll go talk to the pastor. And they try to reassure the victim. And you have to understand these these phases, they, they may last, you may have one phase that lasts six months. You may have one phase that lasts, you know, a year. These phases don't have specific time frames, So the honeymoon phase can last a long time because the, the victim survivor, you know, at some point may put, put their foot down and say, Hey, look, you know, I'm, I'm not putting up with this. I'm going to leave. I'm going to take the, the children. I'm going to my mother's house. They found a way to get some help. And so then the honeymoon phase, the abuser really has to pour it on thick. And so they'll do it. They'll get the job. They'll pay the bills. They'll they'll buy her things. They, they love to buy gifts. Um, they'll tell him, you know, I'm, I'm never going to do this again. I'm, I'm going to stop drinking. And so those are when we say cycle, that's that cycle of domestic abuse, because then once once the victim comes back and the abuser starts that tension phase back up, it's almost as if it's done slightly, you know, well, you, you don't really need to go see your mom to this weekend. We'll, we'll go see. Oh no. Well, can't we just have some family time? Let's not, let's not go over to your families. Let's, you know what? I'm tired. I just want to be with you. I just want to be with the kids. Do you really need a telephone? Um, we can't afford that right now. So we can only afford one phone. I think we should keep mine and we'll, We'll get yours paid for later. No, I don't want you to work. Um, I, I want you to, you know, I want to take care of you and the kids and I want you to stay at home. I want you to be a stay at home wife and mother. Some of this can be happening in the honeymoon phase because of what they're trying to do is get you back um, with a process that makes you feel loved makes you feel wanted and at the same time start to put you in a position where they can exert power and control over you once again. If you're ever attend any trainings or go to any topics or talks about domestic violence, you will hear about the power and control wheel. And there are two separate power and control wheels. One of them is when you're actually in the relationship. And in the center is the power and control because that's what he's he or she, the abuser, is trying to use. That's that's their ultimate goal. And then it branches out from there. The things, the tactics that they use, um, they use emotional abuse. They'll put you down. They'll make you feel bad about yourself. Oh, no one's ever going to want you. Who's going to want somebody, you know, who's who's crazy or who has four kids or who can't work for a living? They'll use intimidation. Um, they will use coercions and threats. Um, you know, I'll leave you. I'll commit suicide. I'll report you to, to child welfare. I'll tell them that you're doing, you know, things to the kids. 
They love to use economic abuse because that prevents you from being able to move forward. Anyone who, you know, has a dollar can can find a way. So they want to keep you from, you know, having money and access to money, giving you allowances and things of that sort. Oftentimes the use of male privilege. I talked about um, going to the church um, for assistance and we, we all know the paradigm in, in Christianity is that the, the husband is the head of the household. And, and we, we could get into a, a lot of discussion about what the Bible actually says. Um, it's supposed to come before that, um, about the love that this man should have for Jesus Christ, um, or that the woman should have for Jesus Christ. But we're talking about the man and using male, male privilege and in that role of being the head of the household. And I'm the man, this is my house. I make all the big decisions. You know, I'm the king of my castle. And a lot of times women will fall in line with that because they believe in those Christian values um, to their detriment. And that puts them at a place of being subservient um, to their partner and not understanding that the love that comes with that is still necessary in order to be on an equal playing field. Also, that's why men tend to go to pastors or churches for counseling. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with going to your pastor for counseling. For God's sake, get help somewhere. But what I am advocating is that you get help with someone that understands the dynamics of domestic violence and what you're going through. And usually that's not your pastor. Going through domestic violence can actually give a victim PTSD. And it's an actual issue for a male. It's not an anger issue. I, I've seen so many times when someone says, oh, he just needs to take anger management or the person just needs to stop drinking. No, this is reworking the brain. You have to shift a person's frame of thought from when they are an abuser. And that takes time. And you need someone who is licensed in therapeutic processes to do that. Because it's not an anger issue. This person has learned manipulation. They truly believe what they're doing is the right way to do things. What else falls on that power and control wheel? We talked about them using the children, but they will also minimize and deny and blame. I would not have hit you if you would not have done such and such. I don't remember hitting you at all. I was too drunk. You're making more out of this than, than what you should. And then we've talked about isolation. So all of those things fall on that, that power and control wheel. And after they use those kinds of types of violence, then the, the power and control wheel moves out one more level. And that's where the violence comes in, the physical violence and the sexual violence. Now there's another power and control wheel that includes separation after separation. Because that looks different. A lot of us 
look at victims of domestic violence and say, hey, you need to leave. Why should you, it's her fault she didn't leave. Why would they go back? And I didn't know this until I was informed and educated that victims are at higher risk of being harmed when they leave, during that time frame that they leave. And that's why the power and control wheel changes post-separation. Because then they start to use other tactics to try to regain this power and control. You have to understand, now they feel like they've really lost the power and control over this individual because they actually had, you know, finally they, they left. So then they start discrediting, discrediting her to people in the community saying, let's just say that there's a, you know, the system is involved. You've got courts involved. Sometimes they use the courts against them, trying to say this big, this new thing, alienating, they're trying to alienate me from the children or she's endangering the children, or I'm going to disregard the children. I'm going to undermine her, her ability to parent. There's this relentless focus on the, the partner that has left, this victim survivor who has left harassment and intimidation. I've seen abusers really turn to stalking and harassment, taking pictures, showing up where this individual lives. And now social media has made it so easy for abusers to uh, really manipulate and harass and cause mental injury to victim survivors, posting um, things about the relationship, saying negative things about the individual, all in an effort not only to hurt the victim survivor, but in an effort to try to get them to come back. Disrupting new relationships. coercive and controlling behavior of the mother and the children, using the children to try to control the other partner. It is daunting. And then we wonder why or we question why people go back or return or stay with their abusers. Abusive partners work very hard to keep their victims trapped in a relationship. Victim survivors have real fear. We may not believe it. And we can talk a good game when we're not going through it. Oh, I, I would do this if he, or he, if he or she was treating me this way. But there's a real fear for them of death or more abuse. Did you know on average three women die at the hands of their current or former intimate partner every single day? And what about gaslighting? Gaslighting allows abusive partners to cause victims to feel like they are responsible for the abuse. Gaslighting is a form of emotional abuse in which the abusers use and use it to confuse and shift blame onto the victim. It causes the victim to even doubt 
you know, their sanity What and feel responsible. Am I, well, maybe I am really just, you know, blowing this all out of proportion. Well, he is a good father, so maybe I should, maybe it is me. And you have to understand that abuse takes that toll over time in this cycle, over and over again, this repeated cycle. So it's hard. It's very hard. The, the effect that domestic violence has on a victim's life. Victims experience an array of emotions and feelings. You want the abuse to end, but you don't want the relationship to end because you love that person. You might feel isolated. There's a feeling of depression. You feel helpless. You feel embarrassed. No one wants anyone to know that they're going through these things because they feel like they'll be judged or stigmatized. And so when they start to feel this way, the abuser starts to win because then the victim starts to withdraw emotionally and distance themselves from family and friends. They then start to become financially dependent on their abuser. And if they can't handle the stress that, that this relationship is causing them, you have anxiety. You might have suicidal thoughts. You might turn to alcohol or drugs. Victims literally feel as if they don't have anywhere to go. Well, there are resources. The National Coalition Against Domestic Violence has a hotline that you can call. And the National Network to End Domestic Violence also um, has information that you can use. The U.S. National Domestic Violence Hotline is 1-800-799-7233. Usually there are state organizations that you can turn to. In South Carolina, it's the South Carolina Coalition Against Domestic Violence or Sexual Assault, also known as SCADVASA. And sometimes there are nonprofits in the counties that assist victims locally. Remember, everyone knows someone and we all need to get involved because despite promising that it will never happen again, in most cases, the abuser will not change. And the only way to end the abuse is for the victim to end the relationship. 
Once again, unfortunately, the most dangerous time in an abusive relationship is when the victim tries to leave. That is when they are most likely to be seriously injured or even killed. We need to help educate our loved ones on abusive relationships. And we need to get some note, some information out there. Education is key when it comes to domestic violence. And understanding that abusers have to get professional help. I'm not just talking about with your pastor. I'm not talking about with their men's night out at their support group. I mean actual help for being an abuser. To come to terms with what you've done and what your beliefs are about relationships. We can't make change for domestic violence as quickly as we can make change in other instances. But we can try to start to put a dent in what victim survivors go through. And let's not forget the child victim witnesses. Everyone knows someone. Everyone knows someone. You can speak out against domestic violence. You can take individual action, create supportive communities for your survivors. You can donate to local and statewide and national anti-domestic violence programs or victim assistance programs. You can call on your public officials to support life-saving domestic violence services and hold perpetrators accountable. Remember, everyone Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the For My Sister Queens podcast. Also, follow me on social media on Facebook at Learn to Love Academy and at Bowen Law Firm. On Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at SC Lady Esquire. Remember to stay uplifted and be the woman who helps straighten a fellow sister queen's crown.